Breakfast on 702. For the curious on 92.7 and 106 FM. All right, a uh, quick look at your WhatsApps, uh, continuing the conversation on our uh, uh, satirical uh, discussion. David Scott from the Kiffness and his satirical piece about the national anthem. Morning, Nick. I think the Kiffness should sleep in the bed that he's made. Uh, that's uh, one way of thinking about it. Um, and also, at the, I mean, at the end of the day, we need to remember that, uh, you know, if 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 you're making satire that's good enough, people will always be offended. Anyway, that's my thoughts there. Maybe you have a, a different point of view. Give us a call, 011-883-0702. Uh, Anonymous says, only two reasons for the continuing ban in the sale of tobacco products, the whole Zuma clan's involvement in the cheap and dangerous cigarette trade, which is now booming and very expensive, and Zuma is showing CR who the real boss is. I don't know, man. I think it's a little bit naive, too simplistic to just uh, play the Zuma card here. I think that definitely the illicit tobacco trade is an aspect of it. There's some very shady characters involved. But to just say Zuma, 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 well, I think it plays into that whole narrative of uh, Zuma being targeted for anything and everything. That's just my thoughts. Keep those SMSs coming in, 31702. And WhatsApps to 072-702-1702. Early breakfast, 702. This morning. So we're not only going to be dealing with the possible deluge of people heading to churches from the 1st of June as uh, places of worship uh, uh, enter into lockdown three, uh, lockdown level three being opened up, uh, even if it is just marginally. We're also going to see the sale of alcohol once more. And joining us live on the line now, Dr. Duncan Lawrenson, general medical practitioner and substance use disorder specialist. Uh, I suppose you've been a very, very busy man, Dr. Duncan. Uh, we've been on lockdown for two months now, and, and many people went into lockdown with a good couple of cases of beer, many bottles of spirits. But I know of many people that, uh, that really their stash didn't last that long, and they were needing to go cold turkey or possibly even make some pineapple beer or, or worse still, uh, try and find some sort of spirit that wasn't like petrol to continue their habit. Yes, well, look, in the, in the first sort of three or four weeks, we saw quite a few people in withdrawal. We haven't seen that many um, in the clinics I work at in the last couple of weeks. I think people have probably run out of alcohol and are past that early stage of severe withdrawal. Uh, it's it's a dangerous game, right? I mean, uh, tobacco is one thing, but, but alcohol also is another substance that the body builds a reliance on if you are addicted. And how dangerous is it to just you know, turn off the taps, so to speak? Well, you know, it, it, it can be very dangerous. Um, it depends a lot on your age. So if you certainly if you're over 60 and you've been drinking sort of more than three or four units of alcohol a day, you are likely to go into withdrawal, which would be, um, which would present as sweating and shaking, maybe confusion. So it, it, it can be very dangerous. What are the types of symptoms associated with this withdrawal, though? Because I remember, for instance, I, I worked with a, a gent that, uh, uh, you know, if he was unable to get his fix of beer every day, four to six beers every single day, well, his hands started shaking. I mean, that seems like a very serious case, but what are the, the more milder symptoms that you could look at to know that your body is not only relying and cra- uh, but not only craving uh, alcohol, but is actually relying on it to function? 
Yeah, so the, the easy way to understand it is the withdrawal from any substance is the opposite of what a substance does. So if you're drinking alcohol, which is a sedative, when you, if you're dependent on it and then you stop it, the withdrawal will be the opposite of that. So people might just be anxious or agitated. They might not sleep well. They might be moody. They might have a bit of sweating. And more, more severe cases will involve a tremor or a shake. You know. What can we do about these, these, these addictions that we have now as we enter into a period where alcohol is available once more? Many people may have already blown their savings on uh, buying alcohol at, at highly exorbitant prices. But, but what do you do now going into an environment where alcohol is now once more freely available and you've kicked the habit to, to a certain degree? I mean, how, how difficult is it going to be to, to stay off the wagon, so to speak? Yeah, so um, in terms of sort of substance use treatment, yeah, essentially those patients would only have sort of completed the detox. They, they, a lot of them probably wouldn't have dealt with the underlying issues that might be causing their dependence. So if those aren't addressed, which might be, you know, things like, underlying anxiety disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder or depression or relationship or financial issues it's you know it, it might be difficult for them so so what can you do at this stage and not only if you are a uh, alcoholic and you don't even know it but you you're living with someone that has evidently shown you in every way shape or form that they're hooked on alcohol and this lockdown has been damaging not only to their health but also to their uh, mental well-being and indeed maybe you know close interpersonal relationships what do i do if my mother my father uh, someone close to me my partner is going through this yeah well yeah, I mean, you can either contact a uh, substance use or addiction unit di- directly. You could contact a psychiatrist or psychologist, or you can even start with just seeing your, your GP. You can do an initial medical assessment and then refer you from there. So what do, what do we do? Uh, we've spoken about what, what you do if you are a, a partner or if you indeed yourself are experiencing these uh, symptoms, but drive the point home for us. Is this, is this a matter of life and dead, uh, life and death rather? Can, can alcohol withdrawals yeah. become potentially life-threatening? Yeah, very much so, uh, particularly in the elderly. If you've got a coexisting disorder like diabetes, <clears throat> cardiac disorder or hypertension, you can be very much at risk. Um, you, un, untre- untreated DTs or delirium tremens has quite a high fatality, fatality if it's not treated. So somewhere between five and eight percent of people will die if they're not if they're not treated properly and they've got severe DTs. And I'm supposing this will only become more dangerous from June, as many people haven't been able to drink alcohol for for almost a month. Yes, no, exactly, and I, I think there's a, there's another risk, which is which is that a, a lot of people are going to drink excessively in the first week, and I, I think particularly young people like students, where drinking can be a culture, they're going to be at risk of you know having big parties or drinking competitions and and overdosing on alcohol. Do you think that it's a good idea? Government has made the sale of alcohol uh, legal once more. Uh, it, it would seem to me that there's some merit in you know, making this 
very, very unpopular decision and then sticking with it. Um, yes, I look, I think there are pros and cons to both. Um, I mean, what we see globally is as soon as you, I mean, obviously the, the pros in that, I mean, alcohol, the, the, the negatives far outweigh the pros long term if you're drinking excessively. Um, but what, what one does see as soon as, you know, you ban something, you, you know, you kind of develop an illicit trade in the substance, whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or, <laughs> or heroin. And, you know, that, 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 that has other consequences. So I'm, I'm not sure what the, the answer is. I think, I think there has been some benefit in freeing up hospital beds, which it seems like we're going to need very shortly. But banning it long-term, you know, the, the argument's out there. <laughs> Dr. Duncan, let's just reiterate, get back to basics here. Uh, maybe you have a, a three-step plan that you'd like people to keep in mind. A, if you are a drinker or if you're living with a drinker that hasn't been able to suck back on a couple of cold ones or enjoy a, a gin and tonic, a whiskey and water, whatever it is, what do we need to keep in mind as those alcohol shops open? I, I think be very careful how much you drink when you start again. Um if if one does have a a substance use disorder, which is more than than just just the drinking, you know, if you're drinking for the wrong reasons, if you um, if it's having a negative impact on other aspects of your life, whether it's financial or relationship, then you should probably seek some some medical help. But I, I think the big thing next week is not to go and overdo it in the first week now that it's available again. Mm. Many livers are going to get punished in that uh, first couple of days, I should imagine. Dr. <laughs> Duncan Morrison, so. you take it easy, keep safe, and uh, continue doing the critical work that's needed at this point in time. What are you looking forward to? What are you going to buy as soon as the, the booze shops open? Is it going to be a 12-year-old whiskey? Is it going to be a six-pack of your favorite beer? Give us a call now, 011-883-0702. Coming up in a moment, we talk to Reese Effens. He's the managing director at AlcoSafe, and we're going to be talking about the practicalities of this, of, uh, of, of opening up the liquor stores and how government needs to ensure that they uh, aren't met with a deluge of drinkers that want to get their fix.